Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this latest rendition of Tales, Tales from Outer from Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Now, on to the science fiction. I would like to give a quick thanks to our Tier 5 channel members and patrons. Fallen Angel Buzz Killington Thank you again. Now on to the story. Noise, written by Saiga123. The humans are old. No one knows exactly how old they are. It's believed that they were the first space-bearing species in the galaxy, or at the very least the only one to have survived antiquity. Some revere them as gods. They believe the humans traveled the galaxy in their youth, terraforming planets and seeding them with life. Others believe the humans uplifted the various sentient species of the galaxy, gifting them culture and technology teaching them how to sail the stars before departing and leaving them to their own devices. Whatever the truth of the matter is, I doubt we'll ever know. No one has ever seen a human for generations. They had retreated into isolation centuries before my species even achieved sentience. The theocracies of the galaxy insist that they are still alive choosing to silently watch over their skyons and allow our civilizations to flourish or wither based on our own merits. The less superstitious species believe the humans to have perished long ago. Tiring of the long existence, they succumbed to the apathy and left the galaxy to the younger races. Their populations gradually diminishing until their once great civilization was snuffed out. Scholars and theologians have argued for decades about the ultimate fate of the humans. Wars were even fought over it, but no definite conclusion had been drawn. All that is known for certain is that the humans were gone and all that remained of them was the void. The void is a vast expanse of space sealed away in an unimaginable bubble. When the humans withdrew from the galactic stage, they erected this barrier around their domain which prevented anything from passing through it. Ships, transmissions, even light was stopped by the barrier leaving an empty, pitch-black void as the only proof of their existence. Attempts were made to contact the humans during the early days of the seclusion, but nowadays most would view such an attempt as sacrilege. The belief that the humans went into reclusion for a reason beyond our comprehension, and that we should not disturb whatever work they are doing, was prevalent throughout the galaxy's humanic religions. Our planet was so close to the void that parts of the year and the night sky had veiled in darkness. We thought it was a natural phenomenon that we had yet to decipher, only to be later told that it was the remnants of a once great civilization. We were discovered shortly after our first forays into space travel. An automated survey ship which searched for any signs of human activity or any changes in the void happened upon us as we attempted to reach our moon 
and reported our presence back to its creators. When the ambassadors from across the galaxy came to our planet, they greeted us with fervor and surprised us. Apparently, our civilization is the first to originate so close to the void. We were being held up as proof that the mythological humans were still active, that our existence served to prove that they were still actively seeding life and raising them to sentience. As they argued amongst themselves about the meaning of our existence, we sat back bemused. We had never heard of these humans before, not in any recorded history, nor did the creation myths of our religions describe such beings being responsible for the creation of our species. We tried to inform them of this, but they ignored our attempts to interact, and so we just left them to it. They seemed happy enough to debate subjects that they had seemingly been arguing about for centuries without the need for our input. But not all greeted our existence with excitement. The Senrak believed themselves to be the last species the humans had uplisted before the isolation. Before we appeared, they had the ones born closest to the void, and even boasted that the forebearers sailed the stars alongside the humans, though few besides themselves believed their claims. Our emergence was an affront to them. They were enraged by the fact that our worlds were so close to the void. They claimed we were abominations. Aberrations, who sought to observe their place and humanity's final child. And so, they declared war upon us. They attacked in droves, fleets of ships flooded into our system and unleashed the full might of their armies upon us. We were no match for them. We had barely achieved spaceflight when we were inducted into the galactic community and were defenseless against such a host. The ships bombarded us from orbit before their armies swept through the rubble to slaughter any who survived. We cried for help into the void of space, but our new friends were too far to help us. The best they could do was try and reason with the Sinrak, threaten them with sanctions and excommunication and even outright war unless they stopped the genocide. But their pleas and threats fell on deaf ears as the Sinrak were determined to kill us all. I barely reached maturity at the time of the invasion and was eager to fight, but I was left behind to guard the children while the adults went out to face the onslaught. I had begged to go with them. I insisted that I would be of more use than the elders that they were taking with them who could hardly walk, let alone fight. But my father and mother refused instead placating me by saying that they were leaving the most precious possessions in my care. It is only in hindsight, as I recall the tears in my mother's eyes as she kissed me goodbye on the forehead, that I realized that they were trying to protect me as well. The defense of our city went poorly. The sin wrecked overwhelmed our forces with numbers alone, our weapons proving to be little more than an inconvenience to them as they stormed through our city. Soon, I was all that stood between the children and the Senrak. I remember standing in the courtyard in front of the door where the children hid, the wooden spear shaking as I held it in my trembling hands. All of our conventional weapons had been distributed to those who went to fight the Senrak. I imagine 
They thought should they be unable to stem the tide, leaving me a gun would be of little use. The Senrak started to fill the courtyard, dozens of them staring at me with apparent amusement. I fearfully stood my ground, not that I would have had anywhere to run to. I dared not move to attack them, lest I leave the children to my back unprotected, and the Senrak troops seemed content to leave me be until their commander arrived. He strode towards me with a derisive smirk, and threw my father's severed head at my feet. I remembered feeling something breaking inside of me. With a scream, I charged at the commander, with my spear extended only for him to catch it mid-thrust, and delivered a backhanded slap to my face, sending me to the floor. I can remember how his men laughed and jeered at me as I spat out a tooth and the metallic taste of blood filled my mouth. The commander threw my spear back at me, daring me to get back to my feet and continue the fight. Using the spear to help me stand, I charged at him again, only for him to slam his fist against my nose, shattering it instantly. Over and over again I rose to my feet and threw myself at him in vain attempt to defeat him, but every time he sent me sprawling onto the floor until it took everything I had just to stand up again. As I staggered towards him, he had apparently tired of toying with me and thrust a knife between my ribs. Twisting the blade cruelly, he threw me to the floor and strode towards where the children were hiding. I summoned the last of my strengths to grab a hold of his ankle, only for him to shake me off and kick me in the stomach, forcing me to curl into a ball and cough up blood. I could do nothing but wallow in despair as I watched him approach the door. And just as he was about to open it, a star fell from the sky. The object crashed into the courtyard, raising a plume of dust as the Senrak were knocked off their feet. When the dust settled, it revealed a large pod had landed, crashing several Senrak in its impact. Staring wearily at the pod, the commander gestured for one of his men to inspect it. As they approached it, four panels were blown off each side of the pod, from which four armored figures leapt out, guns blazing. While our weaponry had proven ineffective against the Senrak, Whatever these warriors were using, tore through the Senrek with a single shot. By the time the Senrek realized that they were under attack, half of them had already been killed. With their own weapons having no impact on the armored warriors, the Senrek abandoned their guns and moved in with their blades drawn, hoping to settle in close quarters. But their adversaries proved to be more than a match for them. While the smaller two continued to use their guns, the other two drew their own knives. Their blades glowing with a cold blue fire, they cut down every enemy who came within range. I watched in amazement as Senrak fell one after another until they'd all been killed. Struggling to my feet despite my injuries, I hobbled towards my saviors. Noticing my approach, one of them turned to me and removed his helmet. He was of a species I had never seen before, but as soon as I saw his eyes, I knew what he was. Those grey eyes of his seemed old, as if they burdened by the weight of millennia, as if they had borne witness to the birth and death 
of countless stars, falling to my knees before him, which led him to grasp my shoulders to steady me as I stared up at him in awe. You, you came, I gasped out. How? Why are you here? With the corners of his mouth twitching up into a small smile, the human replied, You lot were making one hell of a racket, so we came to see what all the noise was about. My eyes went wide as I realized what he meant. We had screamed and prayed and begged for salvation, and deep within the void, the humans had heard our cries for help, and they came to save us. With tears welling up in my eyes, my body was racked with sobs as I reached up to grasp his wrists and cried out, Thank you. Over and over I offered them my thanks as tears spilled down my face until my voice was hoarse and I started to cough up blood again. Realizing the extent of my injuries, the human gently laid me back on the ground and called over one of his compatriots. Kneeling next to me, she removed her helmet, and I gasped as I gazed upon her. She was the most beautiful creature that I had ever seen. Her hair was the color of fire and flowed freely down her back, and her ancient green eyes stared down compassionately at me. I don't know what came over me, but I reached up to caress her cheek. She smiled down at me and reached up to take my hand in hers, had assured me that I was going to be all right. I shook my head knowing that it was too late for me and gestured towards the children. Please, I rasped out painfully, please save the children. As the grey-eyed human gestured to one of the others to investigate, the female human squeezed my hand reassuringly and said, Don't worry, we'll get you patched up in no time. No, I gasped out. There are thousands of them. Too many, even for the four of you. Take the children, please. I begged her. Shh, she said soothingly. What makes you think it's just the four of us? I stared at her for a long moment, not comprehending what she meant, until she gestured up at the sky. Following her finger, I gasped in surprise as I saw streaks of light flying across the night sky as if stars were falling from the heavens. Realizing what they were, relief flooded my body, and I started to laugh. Even as I coughed up blood and tears streamed from my eyes, I could not stop laughing. As the children rushed out from their rooms and gathered around, they joined me at staring up in awe at the falling stars. The last thing I remember before everything turned dark was the sound of my laughter ringing in my ears. When I awoke, over a week had passed and the humans were already gone. I was told that they had annihilated the invading Senrex to a man, the flaming wreckage of their ship still hanging listlessly in our orbit before scouring the planet to gather together the few remaining survivors of our species. By the time the other races in the galaxy arrived in our system, they were met with an astounding sight of the human ships returning to their void. The news spread through the galaxy like wildfire. The humans were alive. The galaxy flocked to our desecrated planet in droves. 
When they found us huddled together, they treated us with such reverence. It was unsettling. They wanted to know everything about the humans. How big were they? What did they look like? Did they talk to us? What did their voices sound like? What weapons did they use? We told them what little we knew, and they devoured every scrap of information we gave them. When we told them that the humans had heard our cries for help and came to save us, this sent shockwaves through the galaxy. Not only were the humans alive, but they were listening to us. All of a sudden, various cult leaders found themselves vindicated in their beliefs, and their number of followers swelled. When I told them about the extent of my injuries and how the humans must have healed me from top positions from every species came to examine me, they all agreed that I should have died, my wounds too deep for even the most advanced surgical techniques to have saved me, but whatever the humans did to me was beyond their comprehension. My ribs had been crushed by the Senre commander, Skik, resulting in my heart being pierced by fractured bone. The humans had apparently replaced my heart with something else. The doctors had no idea what it was or how it worked, and every test they ran came back inconclusive. They had wanted to operate on me to examine the new organ, but the priests forbade it. They claimed it was a divine gift given to me by the humans, and it was not for the likes of them to tamper with. The doctors disagreed insisting that they could learn so much from the new heart. This knowledge was a gift to all life in the galaxy, not just me. But the priests would not be moved. I snuck away unnoticed as the argument started to become heated. As I walked through our destroyed capital, I could see various aliens roaming the streets. Some were discussing how to start a rebuilding process, finding an idea of a planet the humans had come to save left in such ruins distasteful, while others argued that the planet was now a holy site. The first place in a millennia that the human had set foot needed to be preserved as it was for prosperity. None of them thought to ask our opinion on the matter. There were others who were scouring the planet for any human tech that they could find. Apparently, even the residue from the humans' weapons were a noteworthy discovery. It was being said that the corpses of the Senric soldiers killed by the humans would lead to breakthroughs that would advance the current technological progress by generations. Speaking of the Senric, I have been told that they are no more. The theocracies made good on their promises to launch a holy war against them, and with the entirety of the military destroyed by the humans, they were defenseless against the Righteous Crusade, though by all accounts that wouldn't have mattered. Having their beloved humans turn their fury upon them caused the Senrek as a whole to grow despondent, and they resigned themselves to oblivion. As if an integral part of their racial identity had been stripped away from them, leaving desperate husks in their place. As for my own species, we are being hailed as humanity's favored child. We are being treated with such reverence that it appears that pilgrimages are being planned just for the chance to lay eyes upon us. They had best hurry before it is too late. There are so few of us left they may not have a chance to gawk. The other races are unsure if we have a minimum viable population, and as such are considered an endangered species. 
We've been assured that they will do all they can to ensure our survival. They believe our extinction would lead to the humans unleashing their fury upon the galaxy for failing to protect us. At least I can rest assured in the knowledge that the children will be well taken care of. They are practically being deified by other races. There's been talk of me becoming some sort of religious leader. They say that the humans saving my life is proof that they have some sort of plan for me. But I have no interest in such things. I have no idea if the humans created us, what their role in the galaxy is, or what plans they may have, so how could I have any sort of religion? All that I do know is that the humans are listening. The knowledge that the humans heard our cries for help has caused a resurgence in interest in piercing the void. Some are theorizing that the void's thinner in certain places, which allows for transmissions to pass through. That the only reason the humans have been silent for so long is that our messages have failed to reach them. They want to establish research institutes on our planet to test the theory, though they seem to be at odds with the theocracies who wish to enshrine our entire planet as a holy site. Of late, I find myself drawn to the void. The beat of the artificial heart that gave me thunders in my ears as I stare up at the night sky, at the inky blackness of the void. I no longer feel the connection to this planet. I have no family left, and the other races seem content on transforming it to suit their needs. If they ever manage to form a consensus. Instead, I feel the yearning to traverse the void, as if a beacon is drawing me in. I want to meet the humans who saved me. I want to thank the human with the compassionate emerald eyes and the fiery mane who held my hand in hers as I lay dying in the courtyard. Whenever I think of her, my new heart pounds in my chest. Perhaps this is their way of calling to me, summoning me to their presence. For all perhaps I'm just allowing the priest's words to fill my head with delusions of grandeur. Regardless of the truth of the matter, I know that I'll no longer be content to be confined to this planet. I'm sure I'll be able to secure transport off-planet. It seems that I wield no small amount of clout amongst both the religious and the scientific factions. Finding a way to pierce the void will be another matter entirely. But I'm in no rush. Even if it takes a lifetime of effort, it'll be worth it just to stand in their presence again. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.